0: Welcome to Speed City with John
1: Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City.
0: Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We have a fantastic show for you tonight. We are fired up. The USGP is three weeks away from our little town of Austin, Texas. John Massengill. That's Jonathan Green, you hear, hooting over there, and Les Kaiser's out on vacation this week. Mr. Green, are you excited for the United States Grand Prix? <laughs> <laughs> you know it, baby. All right. Well, we're going to jump right in because our, we have a, a special guest tonight. Our our guest uh, first up is Will Buxton. And Mr. Buxton, welcome back to Speed City. Hi, guys. How are
1: you? Here he is, the Ooh. man on the ground. <laughs> oh, mate, it's too early for you. I know. You're in Malaysia, right? Good. Good morning, <laughs> Tidat <that> Masalan <laughs> <laughs> It's seven o'clock. Terra <laughs> Indeed.
2: How are you, man? Where are you staying? Um, We are in Putrajaya, so we're about 40 minutes out from the track.
1: Know it well. Very well indeed. As you know, uh, I've spent a lot of time out in Malaysia and I love that track. I'm very sad to see it go. Um, But I tell you what, we are delighted to get you on the show, especially fresh, hot footing from the track because you are the guy in the know. I tell you what, John... You might have Justin Timberlake and we might have Stevie Wonder, but this man has the moves of Justin Timberlake and the melodious sound <laughs> of Stevie Wonder all rolled into one. So look out for star turns in Austin because Will Buxton is on his way. Uh, is that true, Mr. Buxton? Oh,
2: <laughs> no, I can't wait. I can't wait to be back. It's um, it's amazing how fast the year's gone by already. It's crazy. You know, we've got, what, five races left? And it just it doesn't seem two seconds since we were in Australia starting this season off. It's gone by so quickly.
1: Yeah, it's been an amazing and eventful year, uh, for
2: sure. Mm. Yeah, no, it really has been.
1: Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. I know it's early morning, but I'm sure you're fresh uh, of uh, all, th- all things Formula One. Um, let's get straight to it. What
2: on earth happened to Ferrari?
0: Hmm.
2: Um, they're imploding, aren't they? It's uh, it's a disaster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the fascinating thing is when you look at the you know sort of i think the issues that we've got at the moment with the with the regulations around engine use and components and penalties and we've seen it affecting mclaren for the last few years and you know we've been saying isn't it crazy that that these Things are, uh, are are so affecting um, the teams. For it to happen to a big team like Ferrari, I think is is the biggest shock. But it was always going to happen with the with the extra limiting this year down to just four power units and four components um, for you know for each of those power units. Um, they don't have the leeway that they did when we were up at five. And so here we are with five races to go. It's hit Seb. It's hit Ferrari just at the wrong point. But that doesn't mean that it won't now hit. Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes, because they're right up against it as well. So I think anybody who thinks that this weekend and what happened in Singapore with neither Ferrari hitting the first corner there um, has sort of effectively killed this championship. You know, you only need to look 12 months ago to the Malaysian Grand Prix and Hamilton's engine letting go and the whole thing can turn on its head again. So yeah, I don't think it's over in a long run. I'd love to know exactly what did go down at Ferrari this weekend because, for them to have the issues that they had with Seb, and that was a manifold issue. He had a broken manifold uh, on Saturday, um, and the team had done a great job to replace the engine after practice, which they'd only done as a precaution. Um, and it, obviously, in that he had that manifold issue in, in qualifying. Um, and then for Kimi to have the turbo issue in the race, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it, for Mercedes, the perfect storm. For Ferrari, just a, a complete disaster.
0: You know, Will, I was thinking what you said about it could happen to anybody. I, I hate to admit it, but I was thinking that about Max Verstappen. I was thinking is he, it could happen yeah. on the last lap. I mean, I was just waiting
2: for so on the edge of my seat. I, I put I put exactly that to him after the race. I said, you know, you were out in front. You had like 10 seconds. And, <laughs> and was there ever a point where you just sat there and thought, this is going a bit too well, <laughs> given his season? <laughs>
1: What about uh, Max, though, um, on a brighter side, as it were, um, if you like the first the first win was you know, not a given. No, no race in Formula One's a given. Um, but um, it, but this was an outright win by Max Verstappen on his game ahead of a field of brilliant guys much older than him of his dear 20 years of age. Um, what did you think of that performance today?
2: Yeah, he he did a he did a phenomenal job. I mean, I I don't think I can remember the day after my twentieth birthday. Um, <laughs> I think I probably had quite a big night, um, but you know he'll, he'll he'll remember that day for you know for a long time. It was it was a great win, and it was something that he really needed. Max is the kind of driver who can have the third or fourth best car on the grid, but will still go into every race thinking he can win it, um, and that's just the kind of guy he is. Um, there is no. There is no function of his brain that tells him that he he doesn't have a chance to win. So if he's got even a sniff, you know he's going to do everything he can to make it happen. And the Red Bull has developed so well throughout the year to the point now that, um, you know, I think I think pound for pound it is one of the best cars out there. It it looks, you know, on the basis of the last couple of races to have gotten a march on on the Mercedes, which is starting to struggle. Um, And yeah, Max just. What I think was really interesting with Max today was that we didn't see him having to be um, tenacious and fight and really scrap it out. This was the first time that we saw Max in the lead of a race, controlling it. And just doing a very mature job of maintaining, particularly in the last few laps, just maintaining his pace, not going above and beyond, just you know holding it all down. And that's that was really interesting to see how how he did that. And he you know and he did it with Summer Plum, and you know and, and Ricardo really couldn't couldn't keep pace with that. So yeah, it's, it, we saw a very different side to Max today. Um, and uh, and yeah, Long may that one continue because it's it's all these different facets that are going to create this future world champion. So to see that he can you know get up there and hold the the race was, was was a really big thing
0: well will we got to ask you some other questions too because speaking of max verstappen what about the other youngsters you know we've got Ocon, stroll and now Gasly. Yeah. i mean it's really exciting to see all these young guys what about all of those and anybody else on your radar
2: yeah, future's amazingly bright. Stoffel van Dorn, I think, had his best race in Formula One today. Uh, he was absolutely incredible. He he dominated Alonso all the way through the weekend, uh, and we haven't seen that uh, you know all season yet. And and really, I think you know the car's coming good. Stoffel's finding his feet, and we're starting to see the guy who you know who dominated the junior formulas, and he's now ahead of Fernando in the uh, in the in the drivers' championship. And I think that would be the first time in history that Alonso is beaten by a teammate if the, the points stay that way to the end of the season. So Stoffel's doing a great job. I, I, I really rate him uh, tremendously. Um, you know, you've mentioned Max. Obviously, I think, I think, you know, Max is a future world champion. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Uh, look at Esteban Ocon as well, uh, who is having a brilliant season with Force India, uh, currently sits eighth in the championship. Uh, he obviously beat Verstappen to the Formula 3 title a couple of seasons ago. So there's another guy to keep your eye on. Gasly had a great debut. I think he'll be in Formula 1 full-time next season. Um, And then you look sort of out around the periphery, Charles Leclerc, who's dominating Formula 2 this year, uh, had his practice debut for Sauber earlier this season. I think we'll see – well, actually, this weekend in Malaysia, I should say. Uh, I think we'll see him at Sauber next year. Um, you've got Giovinazzi waiting in the wings, who uh, ran Gasly really close for the GP2 title in 2016, and then a little bit further down the field, you've got um, you've got Lando Norris in Formula Three, yeah, uh, British driver who's signed to McLaren, and I think Lando is the real deal. He's uh, you know, he's up there with your Verstappens and your Ocon's, and you know, a guy who who is going to be a, a future. Formula One potential world champion. So we've got, you know, if we lose our Raikkonen's, our masses, you know, like we've, and our Alonso's, there's a wealth of young talent coming through. And I think the future looks really bright.
1: And some American talent too. Santino Santino Ferrucci. I want to just put put a mention on him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's Santino. Punching, you know. He um he had a nightmare kind of start to the season in GP three, Dams, which was formerly the team that you'd want to be with in GP two and GP three, just just sort of falling apart, I think, because they're spending more time focusing on their Formula E campaign. They run the Renault E Dams team. Um so they're they're spending more time concentrating on that really than GP two, GP three. And Santino left the GP three team halfway through the season, moved up to GP two and was just scoring points left, right, and center in the car that he felt much more comfortable in so uh yeah yeah i mean i think i think santino's great you've got you know guys uh, in gp3 like ryan tavita uh, as well who uh, who has gone on a recent run of of podium form and uh, yeah great kid uh, and i think got a bright future hey will
0: well i want to talk about your buxton's big time bash coming back to austin but can you stick with us through a back, quick com- can you quick stick with us through a quick quick commercial break
2: Yeah, of course. Of course, I'm here as long as you need me.
0: All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the Buxtons' big time bash back in Austin and for 2017. You're listening to Speed City live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages.
1: Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video 2438 West Anderson Lane. MV Agusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Agusta and Ducati factory authorised technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Agusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the world supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Kelly Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I 35. Thanks
0: for making the right choice. I don't know where I would get the truth if it weren't for you. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. All right, welcome back to Speed City. I want to thank Twitter. Twitter gave us the 280-character limit. Oh,
1: wow. I can I, I talk know. some I, more.
0: T- I, I feel like it's with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> I, I started tweeting earlier, and I was like, I don't really want to use. I'm a little, I'm kind of torn back and forth. So can
1: I say, um, <laughs> a lot? You, you can say, um, 200 and... My thoughts
0: hundred huh? and five fu- <laughs> you can say that too welcome back to speed city we are live with will buxton will uh we're excited about uh, the usgp but we're also excited about the buxton bash coming back to austin very excited Me
2: can i just say 280 characters on twitter is unnecessary <laughs> i agree it's, 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 <laughs> no one needs to Particularly from me, no one needs twice of what I've got to say. I, I was just so excited it, yeah. that
0: they let us, but I, even today I stopped at about 200, I think. I and, didn't even and come close. And it's on, like, behal- and on like, behalf of Will see,
1: Buxton and myself, because I think I'm second to Will only uh, in talking too much on a grid and in about <laughs> Formula One. I agree,
2: Will. They could, they could, could. Uh, 140 was invented for the likes of us. Yeah. It, but, but also it's like, you know, it's like Uber saying, well, we're going to start doing these large cars and they're going to stop at certain points <laughs> on the route. And you're like, well, that's just the bus. And it's, you know. <laughs> it, it's, it, <laughs> <and> Good point. <laughs> so I don't get it. I don't get it. 280 is, it's just two tweets. Yeah. So just send two tweets. Yeah. Give us a one minute function because I'm still <laughs> sending a 280 character tweet. And I look at it and I go. Oh, I've spelt that wrong. Yes. And so I just... Yeah. <laughs> give me a one-minute edit feature. That's all I want is a one-minute edit.
1: Yeah, I mean, next year, 2018, tune in and Twitter will offer you a
2: phone where you can <laughs> talk to people. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Well, anyway. Anyway, yes. On to important things. The
0: Bash. Let's hear it. Uh, tell us all about yes. it, Will.
2: So um, when... When Formula One first came to Austin, I know there was um, some sort of reservations about whether Formula One would just come to Texas and take money from people and not give anything back. And And I know there were some real reservations from from, from folks in uh, in Austin about the race. So what I wanted to do when we first came to Austin was to do something that gave back to the community and do something that gave back to, to the city of Austin. So we set up the bash, um, which started off, actually it's a karaoke night um at a, at, a, at an irish pub in town and was really fun <laughs> and it's just kind of grown every year and uh and we're now getting um you know drivers coming down and the teams are bringing uh really amazing giveaways uh and sort of sign stuff and it's a chance to, to come down and meet drivers we've had a lot of young drivers uh coming down i remember alexander rossi came down when he was racing in gp2 and obviously he's now a you know indy 500 champion and um which is incredible. So, so, um, you know, we've had a, an amazing group of people come down to to give their time. Jill De Ferran, Mario Andretti, uh, have come down. Um, a lot of F1 drivers have been down as well. And it's all about raising money for for local charities. And uh, we've raised. I think nearly $100,000 over the last, wow. well, we've only held it four times. We didn't hold it last year because uh, my father passed shortly before the race, so I wasn't able to dedicate you know, as much time as I wanted to, to actually you know, get the bash running. So it comes back this year after a one-year hiatus. But yeah, as I said, we've, we've, we've raised nearly $100,000 for for local charities. This year, the, all the money will be going to uh, Susan G. Komen. Uh, the whole of the Austin weekend, uh, everything at the track is actually is going to be attuned towards raising money for breast cancer charities so there's going to be like pink tires uh, pink liveries it's we're, and we're in breast cancer awareness month so um yeah we're going all in on that and um yeah it's going to be great fun
1: and just so everybody who's local because obviously a lot, we've got a lot of austenites um listening to this and a lot of people who will be traveling to the race um what are the details in terms of timing
2: I knew you were going to ask me that. I knew you were going to ask that. So it's a a Thursday night, right? (laughs) It's a Thursday night. Yeah. So it's on Thursday night. It's at Clearport, which apparently is the place to be. That's a cool Uh, venue. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard great things about it. I'm really looking forward to uh, really looking forward to getting down there. Um, And I think we're going to start. I think doors are at seven and we'll probably, you know, kick it off at about eight o'clock. And... um, yeah, basically we'll just stay until we get kicked out. So um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's at uh, five sixteen e Sixth Street. It's a really cool venue, Clearport, and it's clearportatx.com. But yeah, Will, I I know that this is has been uh, a really successful event. I've been a couple of times. I you know one time I stood outside and it was fighting my way in. It was jam packed, and it would uh, and they actually opened up some more of the the venue. So it was a really cool event and lots of people, lots of drivers, and lots of F one stars. Uh, it was really, it's an awesome event.
1: To be honest, yeah, I think it's a great way to kick off the weekend if you're looking for something. Because you know, well, and we get asked this all the time, People, fans come in and they go, where's the party? And you go, well, I'm kind of busy getting myself ready for what I've got to do the next day. So we're not always on tune for all the parties. Um, but no, totally. this is free and this is a chance to p- perhaps get a glimpse or even an autograph and definitely some memorabilia uh, uh, of some of the drivers. And like you say, a fantastic cause uh yeah, Austin is is going to be pretty in pink this weekend. Uh, this that weekend yeah,
2: for sure. It, it is, and what I mean, what we do, you know, I never, I never wanted it to be something that cost an arm and a leg because I think the fans pay enough already to come to the race. Um, you know, and, and merchandising and everything, and it's you know we know that Formula One's not a cheap sport. We know the chick the tickets, you know, are, are are quite expensive, and obviously, you know, this year you get you get to see Justin Timberlake and Stevie Wonder and all that. You know, if you come to the race as well, but um you know we, 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 we do have a cover charge on the door. It's not a huge amount. Um, it's like 510 bucks. Um, but what we ask is is a nominal amount on the on the door or whatever you'd like to donate um so it's you know you can you can come in and you could pay a hundred bucks if you wanted to or you could pay 10 bucks if you wanted to it's entirely up to you it's whatever you want to donate to the charity uh but with that you get a ticket and then we draw tickets on stage and with that you win uh or you can win uh something really really cool but w- what we didn't want was uh for people to be able to buy a hundred tickets uh sort of raffle tickets and be able to buy and win loads of things you win once so you can you can donate your donate Donation then gives you that ticket and gives you a chance to win. Uh, so that anybody, whether they've donated ten bucks or a hundred bucks, has the same chance of, of winning. It's um, yeah, uh, probably not fair on the people who've donated more, but you get a better feeling in your soul, and uh-huh. that's the most important.
0: <laughs> so hey, Will, it looks like I'm looking at the notes for it. Is it going to be an open discussion also with uh, with the other boys from NBC?
2: Yeah, yeah, they they um, they usually turn up and they do a star turn uh, at, at the opening, uh, which is always great because those three guys. As anybody who, who's ever been to the uh, sort of the uh, the, the, the theatre uh, shows that they do uh, over the years, um, when they're not on mic, they're a, a touch more loose-lipped, shall we say? Uh, and it's uh, it's always very funny. They have some amazing anecdotes, particularly Mr. Hobbs. Uh, <laughs> some wonderful <laughs> anecdotes from over the years, and uh, it's always. Is really, really good fun. So, you know, it, it's a great event if you want to hear from you know from us uh, from what we do on nbc from some of the drivers and and people from within the paddock in a in a very informal setting we also have a deal there which is you know we live in an age of the internet and twitter and facebook and everything but we ask people not to phone thing uh, not to record things on their phone and not to upload you know take take as many photographs as you want but not to push record on your phone and 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 take videos because it allows people to just Say what they want, be who they are, and know that there's no sort of, you know, form of recourse coming back at them if they say <laughs> something that a sponsor might be obsessed about. That's really Which cool. is great. And- and everyone's been really good about that you know and and tv crews have come down before to film it but we never allow them to film the guys when they're on stage because we want them to be at ease and not feel like they're under that pressure of of you know having to conform in front of the camera they can just they can just be themselves and it's that's that's what it's all about
0: that's really cool that gives people a, a really a, a, a secret little insight because if these guys you guys and and uh, all the drivers and anybody else there feel free to to speak their mind and and uh, be the, in that informal situation. That's really cool,
2: yeah it was it was great. We got Felipe down uh, a couple of years ago and and uh and, and someone from the crowd threw out the question, or oh, what do you feel about Fernando <laughs> struggling in in his McLaren Honda at the moment? And uh, and Felipe said, Oh well, you, you know, you guys must have seen I lapped him at the last race, and everyone cheered and laughed. And he said, I got to admit, I shouted down the radio, "Who's faster now?" <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> uh, that's uh, yeah, really so We cool. have fun. We have.
1: Talking of which that that's a nice segue Mr. Buxton as always because I want to get back because I just so people know we are talking to the inside man of Formula 1 a brilliant job on NBC across the years Will Buxton who gets closer to the drivers than anybody else and I mean anybody else because I know I I've, I've been in that I I will be in that uh, that, that little melee of people this year yeah. and, and I know your relationship with those guys is solid and- And, you know, I'll take my hat off to some of the interviews you've done in the past, including um, one with Ferrari a couple of years ago, where I think you were the only one who got anywhere close to getting an interview. So this is the right guy. But anyway, what I want to know is, um, Fernando Alonso, what is your thought? You have been brilliant of every week pushing him and saying so, Fernando, is the time now? Is this the time? <laughs> are, you, are we ready? <laughs> and, and, I mean, he kind of – he gives you that look of, I know you're going to ask this question, and I know I want you to ask this question because I'm going to use you to tell you how I feel, but I'm not really going to go too far. But we got this – you're doing a nice little tango. So where where are we in in, in that lovely little waltz?
2: It's – I honestly, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just <laughs> – and I and I said I've I've said it before. I don't know because I don't think he knows. Yeah, I genuinely don't think he knows. Um, you know, it's McLaren are moving to Renault just at the time when the Honda engines coming good. Yeah, um, and you know, obviously they haven't rushed into the decision. It's been three years coming, but Honda does finally appear to be looking good, and that I do. <laughs> I think he's going to stay in Formula One now. I think he'll stay there for this year. Um, I think McLaren will probably give him a chance to go and and, and have a crack at Le Mans this year yeah. rather than uh, the 500 because the 500 uh, clashes again. Um, so... I don't know. I think Fernando is starting to realise that another Formula One World Championship is out of his reach. I think he's going to give it one last go with McLaren next year and, and see if that happens. But um, yeah, I think then we, I think we lose him then. And I, I would love to see him go and you know try and win the 500 again because I th- I, honestly, one of the most impressive things I saw in some years actually was watching Fernando at the 500 and just watch him learn lap after lap. And you could see him in the first 10, 15 laps of the 500. You just watch this guy just settling in and just being calm and not going for it. And then he started to make his moves and he started to figure out where he could pass people. And then you got the, the first full course yellow and then you got the first restart and he lost places. And then he started picking people off, and then you mm-hmm. got the next full course yellow, and on the next restart, he held position and he was making moves on people. And so to watch the racing brain of someone like Fernando Alonso learn in real time during that 500 was was fascinating uh, to see. So I think you know he'll go back and he'll do the 500. Uh, not next year but probably the year after Um, and then I think he's just going to wait and see what on earth happens to the World Endurance Championship and Le Mans because Mm There's only Toyota left in LMP1, and given Toyota's recent history, they'll still find a way to lose it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> uh, I mean, and on a fo- just on a footnote to that, I was there at the 500, for, literally for the for the for the weeks leading up and and during the race, uh, and therefore got to see the circus around Fernando and be part of it. Um, but you know, and you'll you'll appreciate this. Uh, he had an air about him of enjoyment. Uh, of being part with the journalists. And I also appreciated the American journalists that I haven't been that close to um, over the years, but their appreciation of him. And likewise, it went both ways. It reminded me of the Senna days, where literally after practice and after qualifying, Senna would hold court. Uh, and, yeah. and and that's what Fernando was doing, and I and I really do hope it really doesn't matter where he races. But I want him to be revered, and I want him to be seen for what he really truly is, which is one of the greatest drivers of all time.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, and I think now he is looking more at his legacy, and 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 how he's viewed. Uh, you know, ultimately in, in history in, in in the great sort of, panth- uh, you know, sort of the, the overarching view of the greatest drivers of all time. And, you know, he looks up to people like the Sterling Mosses and the Mario Andretti's who were able to turn their hand to anything and be fast. And the fact that he went to Indy and suddenly gained this huge respect for the drivers out there and realized how difficult it was, but got that taste of Oh my God! I can be competitive here. That I think that was that was really big for him, and it gave him um, it gave him a, a a huge boost at a time when when he really needed it. So, it, you know, I think it it would be great to see him in a championship where he's revered. It would be great to see him in a championship where he can ply his trade and be as good as we know he can be, and ultimately a happy Fernando is a fast Fernando, and that's that's all I think anybody wants to see. Well, hey, Will, can you stick with us through one more
0: quick break and we're going to, I want
2: to ask you yeah, some more questions. Of course, of course, yeah.
0: Awesome, awesome, because I want to talk to He's you. He's having about, his breakfast. <laughs> well, he doesn't need coffee after Jonathan Green all. getting on the on the horn with him, but <laughs> all right. Uh, we're gonna take a break and when we come back, we're gonna talk more with Will Buxton about Formula One. Listen to Speed City live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages.
1: racetrack. It's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey, because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road.
0: If you've ridden motorcycles in this part of the country for long, no doubt you know of Bud's Motorcycle Shop. Bud left this world a while back, but his legendary Harley service rides on. No longer is Bud's in downtown Austin, it is now Revels Heavy Duty, and they've moved out by the Formula One track. You'll see all the familiar faces, so bring in your new, used, and abused. But there's no sign of shiny showroom prices. So check it out at RevelsHeavyDuty.com.
1: Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video 2438 West Anderson Lane.
0: This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. Shamuzzle Shamusel. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Will, we have our special guest <laughs> is Will Buxton on the phone. And Will, one, is, one question that I want to ask David Hobbs is, where did the meaning of the word clag come from? <laughs> he, he, <laughs> He's got his own
1: right. language.
2: <laughs> I've never asked him that. I've never <laughs> asked him. Must, I must ask him. I think he has that trademark. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that no one is allowed to use it. Well, Will, I, I, wanna... do, I, I know. Hob, Hobbisms are the greatest words in the world. I think my favorite one, and I actually stole it and used it in the GP2 commentary once, which was David's expression for when a driver has gone, shall we say, over the limit and uh, scared themselves. And David says, oh, I think he's tested the structural integrity of his underpants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love
0: it. Uh... <laughs> Uh, well, Will, I want to ask you a couple of questions. One, I want to start with, uh, you know, being a native Austinite, being a Texan, being an American, I want to know about the Haas F1 team. I want to ask you what you think of what, what they've done so far. Been some amazing things. But also I want to ask you about, you know, there's already some grumblings. We knew all along this is Americans. They're not going to be happy with sixth place, seventh place, eighth place, ninth place. Uh, so really your opinions on what they've done so far and what do you think is going to happen? And are they going to be happy with what they've done so far?
2: well they were very smart they utilized the regulations to you know to do f1 the way that it should have been done for a, a few years which is buy as many bits off the shelf as you can put it together and make a race car it's very much an old school way of of doing formula 1 when you know the, the little british garagisti teams would would cobble together a a car you know shove a, a cozy dfv in the back of it and, and and go racing um they are you know by by some of the teams in the in the paddock who who you know sort of would like to malign them as not being a a proper manufacturer they they're they're known as ferrarina um you know sort of the, the little the mini ferrari team because they got so much help from ferrari but they utilize the regulations the way that they're there, and I think that they've done a phenomenal job with it. If you look at, you know, second, if you look at it from a musical perspective, you know, the, the after a great debut album, is that it's that difficult second album is always a nightmare for for bands, and um, it's the same in racing. After a good first season, second season uh, is always tough to live up to to those same expectations. And while they haven't had those same headline results that they had in year one, they've already surpassed the amount of points that they scored in year one, and this in a year where there's a much more competitive midfield it's much more densely packed uh much more difficult to score points so they're actually i think performing on a far higher level this year than they were in year one um you know roman grosjean tells us every week they're still learning there's still things that this team are are experiencing weekend to weekend that they've never experienced before because they're a new team um and with that in mind you know that there's a, a a long way for them to go. Um, now, what you're saying about them wanting success, and I know that Gene, I mean certainly to me, has made comments uh, over recent weeks of, well, there needs to be a restructuring in the sport, and I don't know how long I'm going to hang around if I don't, you know, if there's no chance of me winning. Yeah, I, you, you can feel sorry for, for for him in one respect that there is this. Um, the, the system in formula one is, is the way it is. And it is so difficult to compete and to fight for wins. But at the same time you turn around and say, well, you know what, chum, you, you knew what you signed up for. Um, so you're not going to be, you're not going to be winning races in, in year two, unless you're spending 300 million a year, like Mercedes and Ferrari are. So You know, there's two ways of doing it. Either you do it in the cost effective manner in which Gene Haas has done it and has done it brilliantly and exploited the regulations uh, and the means of using money in a cost effective way. Or you go completely crazy and, you know, and spend five, six times as much and, you know, and be able to do the things that the Mercedes are doing. I think we'll see a budget cap come into the sport at some point. I think Liberty Media are aware that they need to put some level of parity in there, put level the playing field in some way. You know, they're talking about a Leicester City style result that happened in the Premier League. Uh, a couple of seasons ago in the, in the UK. The Foxes! Um, yeah, exactly. And and you know what? Yeah. Everyone looks at that and goes, oh, wouldn't that be great? And it was like, well, yeah, but it was the first time in, what, 150 years or something that Leicester had won the league. Um, yeah. And then the year after, they almost got relegated. Yeah. So, you, you know.
1: It's um, like my team, Ipswich Town, same thing. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly, mate, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm a Reading fan, so we're all in the oh same boat. Oh my word, uh, I, I feel <laughs>
1: you're paying, my friend.
2: <laughs> yeah, right, yo-yo, just up and down, up and down. But um, yeah, I mean, they're not going to win races in the short term, but if a budget cap comes in, um, then, you know, Haas are, are really well placed, they've used the rules in the right way um, to get out there and, and get a team that's been more competitive and scored more points than any new team, I think, that I've seen probably in my time in Formula 1. Well,
0: you know what, Will? We're excited about what Haas F1 has been doing, and you should. We've had some of the uh, CODAs had some watch parties, and the crowd goes crazy when Haas makes a pass. Oh, yeah. or, so it's been fun to watch. But this is a great segue because you mentioned it is Liberty Media. Obviously, with the United States uh, ownership of Formula One through Liberty Media, now we're just crazy ecstatic about the possibilities, whether it's additional races or whatever. Uh, the the little things, I want to ask you about the changes they've made, everything from the little things like adding miles per hour to the screen, to the world feed, <laughs> instead of me doing the math yeah. in my head every time to S- social media, <laughs> to social media, how they're, what they're doing on the YouTube account is phenomenal. And also what happened today, I think these are, and, and a couple of weeks ago with Eric Bouillier on the show live right yeah. in the middle of the race. And I think it was Zach Brown a, a couple of weeks ago.
2: Yeah, well, um the, uh, having Zach and Eric on the pit wall come down to us actually, it wasn't anything to do with Liberty. That's something that NBC, uh, NBCSN and, uh, McLaren have been formulating together so that we can, uh, it's been a really complex system of actually getting it up and running so that we can patch directly into the McLaren pit wall, uh, and get Zach talking to us. Uh, that was actually something that Zach and our bosses over at NBC, uh, got together and said, Hey, how about we, you know, we try something like this. And they were like, yeah, cool. Let's, let's make it happen so that's nothing to do with liberty that's all to do with nbc and mclaren so that's cool. uh, good for you guys we're well. taking Hats responsibility off. yeah yeah we're, we're, we're taking responsibility for that well we love um, it we love it but yeah it's, it's wonderful wonderful to hear from them during the race
1: what about um, your thoughts really on liberty though generally speaking i mean you like you say you're in the thick yeah. of it you're got you're working with them that they're working with you it's a very very important market as is nbc as a network um are you getting some love are you feeling like uh, whatever's missing from what you do and I know how hard uh, the job that you do is because the access just isn't hey I am coming down to McLaren I'll have a quick word with your drivers it doesn't <laughs> work that way but is it opening up in a way that you can do your job and get more across to your fans
2: absolutely um and you know in the sort of 16 17 years I've been in the paddock I've never felt such positivity as I have this year it really feels like it's moving in the right direction and there were a lot of people who were very worried because you get new bosses in and you know they've got the 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 keys to the candy store and you think well what are they gonna you know what are they gonna do with it and i think the big concern was that they would try to change the racing and the the way in which formula one went racing and, and and sort of mess with the product um you know do a new coke to it they'd go out and they'd do a uh, you know, a bunch of Vox Pops and get people's thoughts and opinions. Oh, you know, what do you want Formula One to be? And what do you want Formula One to be? And what do you want Formula One to be? And then they'd end up creating something which nobody enjoyed watching, you know, which is what Coca-Cola did. Well, it was in the, in the 80s. Yeah. They went out to people and said, Hey, you like Coca-Cola. How can we improve it? And then they went to people that didn't drink Coca-Cola and said, you don't drink Coca-Cola. Why don't you drink Coca-Cola? And so then they came out with this new product. And people who drank Coca-Cola said, this isn't Coca-Cola. Yeah. And people who didn't drink Coca-Cola said, well, I don't want to drink that because I don't like Coca-Cola. So And, the, and it almost killed the company. So what Liberty have been very smart is they haven't done a new Coke. They've changed the packaging, but they haven't changed the product. And that's really important. Um, You know, they've changed the things that are easy to change without changing the core DNA of the sport. So they've changed social media. They've changed the way in which it's marketed. They've changed the way in which it's promoted. They've been very clear in in unveiling the 2018 calendar early and stating we're not going to mess with the dates on which the races are held. We will stick to these times. We will stick to these races. We will stick to these countries so that eight, nine months out from the race, you can be promoting this. You can be selling tickets because that was always the problem before, you know, we'd get to January, February and we were still getting changes to the, to the calendar. So, um, yeah, they're doing it right. They're doing it right. And, and that's because, you know, it's, it's, it's their new investment. They've put a lot of money, a lot of time into it and they want it to work for them. And so they're, they're still just they're finding their feet and they're figuring out what they want to do with it. we we had a, a, a brilliant talk at the weekend uh, uh, from Liberty uh, on, a, on a load of research that they've been doing globally. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of people that they have questioned about Formula One and not just Formula One fans, but general sports fans from around the world about their perceptions of the sport. Do they like it? Do they ever watch it? If not, why not? And they've sort of realized there's, there is a ceiling of how many fans the sport can have globally because there are some people crazy people who just don't like motor racing um, um but um <laughs> you know they realize that you you, you you're never going to get those people to watch formula one so let's stop trying and let's not change formula one to try and appeal to people that are never going to watch it but let's take the sort of 70% of the world's sporting audience that is either massively, massively into formula one or has a passing interest and would maybe watch the highlights if it's on TV. And let's see how we turn those people who might watch the highlights into somebody that might watch four or five races. And let's see how we can get those people who might watch four and five. races. Let's see how we can get them to actually come to a race. And let's see how we can then turn those people into diehard fans that watch everything. And so that's what they're working at at the moment. And I think it's a really smart way of looking at it. It's a long-term project, which shows that there aren't going to be these knee-jerk reactions and stupid regulation changes that we've seen over the years that had no no vision, no strategy, no long-term plan, and were just people throwing balls in the air and seeing which ones they could catch. Um, so I... Honestly, I think it's it's a really positive time for the sport.
0: You know, I when they first did the purchase, I looked at John Malone and this guy, oh, yeah. he is a brilliant investor. That's his, you know, his main thing is making money. And how do you make money yeah. in this type of thing? Is you you get eyeballs and you get viewers. And you know, Will, with with the NFL, NFL is king in the United States, right? And so, but mm. the ratings in the NFL this year and last year. Are actually in in a not a free fall, but a pretty dramatic decrease, like fifteen percent or so, and so the the things that are filling those spots are like esports, and with the way video games and car and and all the different racing games and I don't know, it, it I feel like there could be a spot for for in a, for F one to fill some of this rating spot. They're doing it, yeah. I, I think it's possible. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're all aware that the way in which people engage uh, with sport is changing Um, and people want to be a part of it. They want to be, you know, in it. And I, I think I think the worst thing that you can do, though, is try to change the sport to appeal to. What's happening uh, in terms of 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 the way in which things are broadcast and the way in which people get their information and absorb absorb their information? you know it, it, I think it's more to do with the way in which you broadcast it, the way in which you make it available and and how you how you put it across to people rather than the actual product itself. You know would you change it, if if figures are dropping in American football, or football, sorry, do you, you know, do you change it from four quarters to two halves? Do you change the length of the quarters? Do you put it into, you know, do you do it to th- in thirds? Or, you know, I don't think people would be happy with that. You you know, you, you yeah. have to keep a core element yeah. of what of what makes the sport the sport. You know, do we want to get to a point with Formula One where we have two sprint races rather than one long race? I think at that point you're, you're crushing what is the DNA of the sport. If people are only, I say people, you know, oh, oh, what are we going to call them, millennials, or you know, kids, or whatever, you know, whatever we want to call them, you know, if if their if their um, if their attention span is only for a two minute thirty second video that they watch on YouTube, then okay, fine, put a put a two minute thirty clip on on YouTube for them to watch, but don't change the length of the race because you're trying yeah. to appeal to somebody that you don't really understand i i i, yeah, I, I agree with that i think that's foolhardy
0: well will Very buxton yeah i, I want to make sure uh, we thank you so much for coming on the show but, 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 but also but,
1: but i want to talk portion i want to talk i want to talk okay Martin, well, we're running know, out of time but 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 but, but, <laughs> but john
0: <laughs> he's like a kid will i'm in the studio with a small child <laughs>
2: oh, Can you, okay you, give, oh,
0: give it give it a quick question yeah Porsche coming maybe he said
1: <laughs> yeah well I mean obviously two big uh big stories that are sort of festering around as it were Aston Martin to be the title sponsor next year is is a you know is a big step forward and also has some ramifications down the road as we look towards new rules and of course Porsche now m- mentioned in the same breath as possibility of an engine uh come 21
2: yeah i mean you know aston martin obviously is a it's a title sponsorship deal exactly as infinity was as a car manufacturer for the team um, so at the moment it's just a you know it's it's a sponsorship deal that's it will Will Aston Martin make an engine? Uh, This is the interesting thing. Talking to Christian Horner at the weekend, Christian said that it would be a badging deal on uh, what they would expect to be a Cosworth if indeed uh, it becomes possible for a new engine supplier to come in in 2020, 2021 with the new regulations, um, which we would expect to be a simpler hybrid engine, possibly taking out the MGUH and just leaving the the KERS system that we oh. had in, in in years gone by. So sort of simplifying it from from that perspective. If we get a simplified engine formula, then the likes of the Porsches of the world may want to come in as well. Um, that would probably be as an engine supplier. Um, if the Aston Martin Red Bull thing doesn't pan out and Red Bull sell up, there could be a chance for Porsche to buy in there. But <laughs> What is fascinating is that over at Red Bull at the moment in Milton Keynes, they are developing the Red Bull Technology Park. One massive area of that is, we believe, uh, an engine building uh sort of uh, plant uh, luca Marini uh, has left ferrari and has been employed either by red bull or aston martin we're not sure which one um they are bringing in people left right and centre. mario ilian we believe is Ooh. part of the project as well that was the guy that uh, now, whether literally
1: that was, brought uh you know the the ilmore engine to Masa- uh, to uh, mclaren a few years ago wasn't it
2: Bingo, bingo he's a, he is the, the the godfather of that project so um you know <sighs> will Aston Martin make their own engine? Will McLaren make their own engine? Or will they simply badge up a independent engine possibly made by Cosworth in Red Bull's technology center in Milton Keynes uh, as their own? That, at the moment, looks the more likely option.
0: Man, you know, watching Honda, a huge company, struggle with getting it right, I wouldn't blame them at all for doing something other than trying to build from scratch their own engine.
2: Right. But Honda is starting to get it right. I know. (laughs) That's true. And and I've... and I've written about this a lot and I, I do feel for Honda because they were forced into uh, an architecture for their engine in the first two years that they didn't want because McLaren insisted on a size zero back end of their car. At the start of year three, Zach Brown took over at McLaren, turned around to Honda and said, what do we need to do? And Honda said, you need to let us do the engine that we wanted to do from day one and have been stopped from making. And Zach said, okay, guys, go at it. So basically this isn't year three for Honda. This is year one. It's year one of a project that should have happened two years ago and you see the great strides that Honda have made throughout this year you look at the competitiveness they had during the Malaysian Grand Prix on a track that should not have suited them at all and the fact that Van Dorn was able to fight and finish seventh in that race shows the great strides they've taken and imagine where they'd be three years down the line if they were just able to do what they've done this year in their first year so you know I don't think Toro Rosso have got a bum end of the deal at all And that's positive for the Formula One World Championship fight because Honda is ultimately the engine that Red Bull are going to have to take in 2019. Wow, I didn't realize all that.
0: Well, Will Buxton, we gotta we gotta go. Thank you so much. We are going to talk a My lot pleasure. about the the Buxton Bash over at Clear Point on Thursday before Formula One. We're gonna we're, we're gonna throw up a page on our website in the next couple of days, Oh, and lovely
2: stuff. Thanks. So we nice. can
0: put all the information, we can put it up there, and people know where to go. And this is the this is the way to kick off the weekend. It's awesome.
2: And can we
1: have breakfast with America. you after Japan as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: <laughs> of course, man. Of course. Actually, oh, oh hold on, I might be traveling. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not traveling until monday night so yeah let's do let's do this same time next week all All right right. sounds good to us
1: hey and listen um how about this you're as soppy as i am how about we know suzuka it rains it's gonna rain like hell honda and alonso are gonna win in the rain Uh at suzuka
2: i'm soppy but i'm realistic (laughs) 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 Uh,
0: Well, thank you so much we will talk to you soon have a good one
2: Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks for your time, buddy. All right. Well, we're gonna jump
0: right into break. You're listening to Speed City here in Austin, Texas. Back after these quick messages. That's
1: really Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable, and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video 2438 West Anderson Lane. MV Agusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Agusta and Ducati factory authorised technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutale Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Agusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Super Sport winning Triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas Soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome, and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818-Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Catch up on the
0: latest headlines anytime at talk1370.com. Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back. We got to thank Will Buxton. That was awesome to have him on the show and
1: we look forward to talking to him again. I was watching Jeff Gordon. You were talking. Today? Yeah, he's a dash good commentator. He is. You know Tony what? I've Romo seen him Jeff a little Gordon bit. Jeff Gordon, are two of my favorites now and they're straight off the off the wheel. I love it when you know guys who are great sportsmen you know da- uh, manning's going to be awesome i think uh, i think fox are dedicating a show to him on tuesday uh, i love it when you get ex players out michael Stry- uh, strand Strahan. all yeah. brilliant
0: too but you know i don't want to go all nfl but tony romo has really yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, caught yeah. the everybody by surprise at how good he is and and you're right, Jeff Gordon is the same way. He's really, really good. I think he's just I mean, it's the both those guys came right out of I mean, Romo pretty much he was the highest ranked quarterback in the league two years ago and steps right into the booth. And Jeff Gordon obviously was, you know, competing for the chase and everything not long ago. So these guys come right out of the top of their game, straight into the booth and kind of have a fresh perspective. You know, they're both like Romo calling plays before they happen and Jeff Gordon, similar type of of insights in NASCAR.
1: But also, and I've been a producer in this situation, if you can get them to talk to their fellow drivers, there is just no, you know, a driver and a driver, there's none of this reporter, hey, that was a stupid question because you've never driven an NASCAR. Jeff Gordon says that was a bum move yeah I mean uh, you know t- talking another Paul Tracy in IndyCars fantastic Tans and Bell likewise um, and you know get a good host likely Diffy, Diffie um, you know and you really have got the makings of a really good team and that, and that, you're right it's so important anyway we, we digress let's get back to Formula 1 oh, let's because, get back to Formula 1 and just so everybody knows um, we've got a week now between Japan between now and Japan so we've just had Malaysia uh, today uh, Japan is literally uh, in four days time so we'll buxton the perfect guy to have on the show and that's why i try to cajole him into coming on again because We're going to be hearing him literally Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week. Um, We're going to put out the clips that we just heard because there's a lot of information in there. Yeah, we got to break that down. So we're going to break that down. We're also going to encourage people to come to The Bash. We'll give you some more information. We're going to put a page up on our website uh, about The uh, Bash all in in aid of the um, turning pink for breast cancer. Uh, So it's all going to charity. So we're doing a hell of a job and we'll be backing him up on that. For sure, the NBC boys in town. Um, But let's talk about some other stuff that we didn't get a chance to talk to Will because it's so fascinating to get him. Who do you want to talk about?
0: Uh, You know, you got to talk about Max Verstappen. I mean, he won the race. He passed. You know, we tweeted a photo of him passing uh, Lewis Hamilton. Did you... uh, Well, speaking of NBC, watching the NBC guys, they were caught off guard just like I was. I looked up and I was like, wait a minute. Max Verstappen is passing Lewis Hamilton? I mean... Anybody in certain name passing Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just blew my head off. I was like, I can't believe this is actually happening.
1: Yeah, it was pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, and I, 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 Lewis said it in his post-race interview with Will Buxton. Um, you know, uh, he wasn't going to fight him too hard. Um, simply because he, he, you know, he has got one eye on the championship, and he also knows that Max, and he said it in the interview, would go all out to 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 do the overtake and get the win. Um, so he wasn't, you know, no no mood to uh, to you know to to go nuts. But on a on a more important side, you know, we talked about the future of Formula One, and we talked about um, Liberty and so on. They really do have a superstar in the making. Um, Lewis Hamilton is not going to go on forever but max has got a good 15 years ahead of him and wow, that's if Liberty, amazing to say that it's well,
0: 20 yeah, i know it's crazy yesterday
1: yeah <laughs> i mean inga Strecker, by the way we we haven't had time for inga today um but we're going to get i've got a whole podcast that i've done with inga inga made a brilliant point which was when the first race took place in malaysia 19 years ago <laughs> wow think about it that's funny young max verstappen yeah. was just one yeah and now he's won the race
0: that is amazing. Uh, it's incredible that nineteen years ago, that's crazy. And and you know what about Malaysia going away? I mean, very I, I uh, now I did hear NBC say, well, there's still some negotiations, negotiations going on. I suppose it could still come back. I mean, it's been a great racetrack, and what MotoGP goes there, so very
1: very popular with MotoGP. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I guess it could stay. You know, uh, we just have. I don't think we got enough time to play any clips, but. Um, but anyway, I, I want to one last time. I want to talk about the Buxton Bash because sure. if you have not done that, it's really it's really an intimate setting with Formula One drivers. It's really an amazing little thing to go to and to really hear what these drivers some insight that they just probably won't say many any other place where you can actually hear them. Of course, you can get up close. You can get autographs. All that stuff. So we're going to build a page on our website and uh, put that, all the information up. It's at Clearport here in Austin on six, East 6th Street. So thanks for tuning in tonight, of course. And uh, we're going to be leading up to the race. We're going to be working out a code that weekend. You'll probably hear sure, sure. Jonathan on the, on the microphones. And, well, of course, Speed City will be broadcasting the race right here on AM 1370. And, of course, um, all on our website. Check us out, speedcitybroadcast.com. Follow us on social, Facebook, Twitter, and we will
1: talk to you next week. Thanks, Will Buxton, and happy trails, y'all.
0: Tina Nelson, and this is Speed City. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.